tell you, you might not even come to church if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Ch lives would not change if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Oh, thank God that by his stripes we're healed because Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, thank God he loved us enough to rise from the dead. And I mean, Jesus was dead. I'm not, this was, he had, he had flatlined. He, he was dead, but he got back up and that same Jesus is alive today. You're now in June to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Transformation can be defined as a thorough or dr dramatic change in form or appearance. Transformation can bring about positive results and depending on the type of transformation, the outcome can be very different. Nonetheless, transformation in our appearance, attitude, or actions will get the attention of others. One thing I thought about when it comes to transformation, let's say, for example, somebody wanted to change the way they look. Well, they will consider the style they want. They consider the budget of what they're going to be changing into. They want to think about where they could purchase the items that they wanted. They also would think about the color scheme and so forth. And then in their mind, they're putting all this together. But when we see them, we see the finished product. But it is a change. Why? Because transformation brings a dramatic difference. We see them and we're saying, oh, you look different now. You've changed the way you look. You changed the way your appearance and you've changed some things. And a dramatic change that in a person that is beneficial is evident is evidence when it comes to how they think, how they talk, how they make decisions and such like. When we see a dramatic or a considerable change in a person, we believe it's going to be beneficial. We're going to be, it's going to be favorable, resulting in something that is good when it comes to how they think, how they talk, how they make decisions, and such like. And receiving the gift of salvation, see, receiving God's delivering power, God deliver you from the penalties of sin, God protecting you from the attacks of the enemy, and God prospering us is a beneficial and powerful change that will cause us to think better, talk better, and make better decisions. And one of the things I thought about when it comes to salvation, when God delivers us, he delivers us from the penalty of sin. He protects you. And one thing I've learned about God's protection is that God will not allow anything to come upon you that you can't bear. Some things will get through it, almost like God was saying, you're saying, well, God, why do you protect me from that? Because he knows you can bear it. Now, thank God he knows how strong we are better than we do. And I thank God for his prosperity, which is simply saying you're going to be better. Better in what? How I consider matters. How I, in my opinions about matter. How I think about things. I'm going to talk better. I'm going to make better decisions based on God's written and revealed word. 
And many of us can attest to the fact that when we were introduced to Jesus, repented and asked Jesus to forgive us and save us and believe that prayer of repentance. Notice I said prayer of repentance. Repentance says this, I'm asking God to forgive me for everything I've done wrong, but yet I'm making the decision not to do those things any longer. It's not just asking God to forgive you and then you go back and do the same thing over again, but you're learning what to do and what not to do. You're you're seeking the face of God. You're studying scripture. You're praying. You're learning through your Bible studies and through your Sunday morning sermons and and, uh, videos and so forth and podcasts of what to do and what not to do. And, as, and when we do that, our lives are changing for the better. In fact, let's see this beneficial change in Scripture. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 10 and verse 9. The book of Romans, chapter 10 and verse 9. The book of Romans 10 and 9 reads as follows, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That if you confess, you declare openly and you speak out freely with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe. You're persuaded and you place confidence in your heart that God has raised them from the dead. You will be saved. You're going to be delivered, you're going to be rescued, you're going to be protected, and you're going to prosper. And one thing I've learned over the years that many people are trying, in this day and time, trying to deny the resurrection, like Jesus did not rise from the dead. But in my opinion, they were not there when he rose. So they can't tell me that he rose or didn't rise. What do you say, Pastor Dobbs? You were not there neither. But see, I made a decision to believe in the resurrection. I believe the resurrection. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. How do you know, Pastor Dobbs? I see my changed life. I see my sisters and brothers change life. And it's because of the resurrection power and we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. How many believe Jesus rose from the dead today? I'm telling you, it might not come to church if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Lives would not change if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Oh, thank God that by his stripes we're healed because Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, thank God he loved us enough to rise from the dead. And I mean, Jesus was dead. I'm not, this was, he had, he had flatlined. He, he was dead, but he got back up and that same Jesus is alive today. Oh yeah, he's alive today. I'm talking about he's alive on a Sunday morning. He's alive on a Tuesday morning. He's alive on a Wednesday. He's alive on a Thursday. He's alive on a Friday. He's alive 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Let me say this to you. I choose to believe that. I was not there. I may look like it sometimes, but I was not there. And I choose to believe it. And you can say he didn't rise from the dead, but I'm going to look at you. You were not there. But I know my Jesus rose from the dead. 
And see, when I, I, when I believe that, a good confession can help us also to see our guilty ways. But we can also see the innocent one as well. See, confession says this, I'm guilty of my wrongdoings. I'm guilty of wonder from the path of God. I'm guilty of missing the mark and sinning against God. In fact, I'm not blaming nobody else for what I did. I did it myself. Listen, I, I, the DNA is right. The camera did not lie. I was there. I did it. I confess. I was the one who did it. I was a sinner. I was a one who, who messed up. But you know what? A sinner needs a savior. Hallelujah. How many know a sinner need a savior? And thank God we have a Savior. And see, confession also helps us to know and recognize our personal gift, but we also see the Lord Jesus as innocent. See, I understand that he who knew no sin took on my sins and the sins of the world. He did not have to do it, but he did. And I appreciate the fact he took on my sins. And I, yeah, I'm not going to tell you all my sins, but I was a sinner. I promise you that. I was a sinner. I understood the innocent one became guilty for me. See, I, he wasn't guilty. I was guilty. I was guilty. Yeah, you can hit the gavel now and say, hey, he's guilty. And you know what? I, I couldn't appeal it. I couldn't tell you. We can go to the higher court. Listen, we might as well stop right here because I was guilty. I realized that the innocent one has the power to forgive me, release me, and cleanse me from my sins. What am I saying, Pastor Dobbs? Jesus is our Savior. He is our Savior. He's the one who redeemed us. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who brought us out of darkness to this marvelous light. He's the one that I look to every day to be with me. Said, I never leave you nor forsake you. Lord, he's the one I look for in the day that I'm in right now who comforts me. He's the comforter. It's the spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth. He's the one that protects me even from my own self. He's the one who loves me even when I'm not lovable. He's the one that knows everything about it me and still loves me. Oh, that's right. He don't know. He is not, he has not missed one detail and he still loves me. He knows stuff about me you don't even know. But God still loves me despite who I am, what I did, and he knows I did it and he still loves me. I love the fact that the Bible says this, that love covers. Mm-mm-mm. He covers a multitude of sin. If, if I could show you real quickly, he covers. Mm, he covers a multitude of sin. If I could cover this pulpit, I would cover it for you. Just to show you that he covers a multitude of sins. But he loved me enough to cover my multitude of sins. I appreciate that because he is our savior. So I believe in scriptures like that. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved I declare it openly and freely being persuaded in my heart and in my mind and in my thoughts and the innermost part of me that God has raised Jesus from the dead 
And according to the text, I can receive the gift of salvation, my deliverance, my protection, and my prosperity. And as we develop and grow into being a Christ-minded church, we have to realize that repentance and salvation are our initial or beginning steps. See, salvation allows me to get to know and understand the Lord Jesus Christ and his thinking, his talking, and his way of doing things. See, I become from familiar with the mind of Christ according to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. And again, the mind of Christ is God's thoughts, God's views, what he cherishes, what he values. This is the mind of Christ. And he, in Philippians 2 and 5 reads as follows. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Again, let this mind, let his thinking, let his understanding, and let his wisdom. And I like this because let means I got to permit it. I must allow it. I'm going to let his mind be in me. I'm going to let his wisdom be in me. I'm going to let his understanding be in me. I'm going to let what he values be in me. I'm going to let what he thinks be in me. And I love that about God because I understand and we understand this, that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. In fact, let's look at that in scripture. Let's go to the book of Isaiah 55, verse 8 and verse 9. The book of Isaiah chapter 58, excuse me, yeah, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and verse 9. The book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8 and verse 9, which reads as follows. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Again, Isaiah 55, verse 8, for my thoughts, my intentions, my plans, and my purposes are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, my direction, my manner, or my moral character, says the Lord. And see, there's a difference and distinction between God's intention, his plan, and his purpose than our plans and our purpose and our intention. See, his motives and mode of operation are different than our motives and and mode of operation, according to Isaiah 55 and verse 9. For as the heavens are higher, they're exalted, lifted up above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, it would almost seem impossible for us to have the, the thoughts and the intention and the purpose of God, but thank God for salvation. See, salvation says I can get to know the mind of Christ. I can get to know the thoughts of Christ. I can get to know the intentions of Christ. In other words, the more we gain knowledge and understanding of God's word, we get to know his thoughts, his ways, and his intentions. Now, I thought about this from this standpoint. When I look up in the sky, it looks like I could never reach up to the, touch the moon or the sky. And let's say that represented God's thoughts and God's way of doing things. But when I started thinking like Christ, talking, talking like Christ, and having the intention to have the mind of Christ, what seemed far away all of a sudden becomes accessible to me. 
I can know the mind of Christ. I can know his thoughts. I can know his purpose. I can know his intention. I can know his direction. I can know his character. And the more I get to know him through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to teach us and guide us with even greater insight from God and his word. See, the Holy Spirit revealed to us there is a dramatic change in God's way and God's uh, way and our God's way and our way of doing things. See, in other words, a traumatic change is needed if we're going to develop and grow and have the mind of Christ as God would have for us to. See, a transformed mind is a mindset that would give us the advantage in carrying out the will of God for our life. And see, we need change that brings transformation. See, I'm no, I don't have to worry about being so far away because the more I change, the more the, the, excuse me, the will of God is revealed to me. The more I change, the more God says, hey, you can think like me. You can talk like me. You can act like me. And I love that because transformation, of course, can be defined as a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. And see, the change that happens on the inside of me will eventually work its way on the outside me. If it don't change on the inside of me and I start changing on the outside, it won't last long because what's in me has not changed. Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying there. You got to change from the inside and let it work its way out. See, let me talk to you like from this standpoint. Minor changes and repairs would would not do this kind of work. For example, when it comes to house repairs, whether it's major or minor, at times the house may require minor changes and repairs, and perhaps you can clean the gutters, pressure wash the sides, and place a coat of paint on the entranceway, and the house will look fresh and new. Yet at sometimes minor changes and repairs are not enough. The house might need a roof to be pressure washed and painted. Windows may need to be replaced, and carpet needs to be removed and tile reinstalled throughout the house to get it looking fresh and new. Both houses were livable, but both required different levels of work in order for it to look fresh and new. Now, depending on the age and material and domains of the house will determine the work needed for the house. And at times, we can look at the first house, and some of us can be like, or like the second house. And I'm probably like that third house, the one that needed to be torn down completely and rebuilt. I'm not the one that needs to be torn down. I mean, I need a new roof, a new gutter. You, you don't even need to mess with mine because my mind needed changing. My attitude needed changing. Lord, the way I thought about folks needed changing. Getting upset in a heartbeat needed changing. He said, Lord, let me just tear this whole house down. Let me just tear the whole thing down. Let me just go and, and just bulldoze this thing over. Therefore, he says, therefore, anybody is a new creature in Christ, old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I thank God. God loved me enough to give me something new. I may treat it like it's old, but it's new in my life. Are y'all following me? I, I, I thank God he loved me enough to give me something new, and I needed to be new because my old way of doing things wasn't working. Are y'all following me so far? It take, At times, we can think about this from all types of... St- 
uh, st- different ways, but a transformation brings about a fresh look that is positive, productive, as well as prosperous. And salvation is that transformation change that can change us physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and such like. And see, salvation can change us in ways that our natural minds can't comprehend and others cannot deny. God has a way of making major, cha- major changes as well as minor repairs to our brokenness and has the power to remove our bitterness. See, God changes in our lives are dramatic, powerful, as well as impressive. And since I've been changed, I can attest to that fact. I may not be where I want to be, but I thank God I'm not where I used to be. And I can declare and decree that I'm a changed man. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And see, I love that about God. God is changing us, and there's not one person in this sanctuary God cannot change. There's not one problem you can bring to God and God can't change it for the better. He says all things are working together for our good because we love God and we're called according to his purpose. Well, Pastor Dob, you don't know what I did. God knows what you did. He knows every detail. He knows every subplot. subplot. He knows everything you did. He says, I still can change you. You know if God can change Paul, who was persecuting Christians, he certainly can change all of us in this sanctuary. If God can change Peter, who Peter was cussing folks out, had carried a blade on his side and cut off a man's ear. Jesus had to put the ear back on the man. He certainly can change you. Oh, if God can change David, who was a whoremonger and a war man, he can certainly change each one of us in this sanctuary. He can't change me. Oh, I beg to differ. You don't know some of the people in this sanctuary. God has changed so many people in the sanctuary, and he's still changing us in the sanctuary. He's still causing people to think, talk, and act more like him. And you think he can't change you? Oh, now just take, listen, you ain't got to high-five nobody. Just glance around real quickly. You don't really know who you sitting beside, do you? You don't really know what stuff, some of the stuff they did, do you? You don't know some of the places they've been. You don't know some of the stuff they did. But thank God for the blood of Jesus that was shed back on Calvary. Lord, that keeps us under the blood. Oh, you don't know some of the stuff they used to say. I mean, they had a mouth on them too, y'all. Oh, look how y'all looking at me now. I ain't going to tell none of your business, but you all act, don't act on high minded around me. Mm, all right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Now, let's go to Romans 12 and verse 2. Romans 12 and verse 2. Romans 12 and verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And do not be conformed. In other words, don't fashion yourself and your mind and your character to another pattern, or really the pattern of the world. But be transformed, change into another form. How? By the renewing or the renovation or the complete change for the better of your mind. Notice he didn't say of your body. He said of your mind. Of your mind. 
Paul, who is the author of this text, is speaking to the church or the believers in Rome. He is expounding to God on God's word and challenging them, challenging them to be mindful of their mindset and character as well as who they are allowing to influence them. And as believers, we can be born again and still allow people and things to influence us in ways that can cause us to wonder from the path of God, even to the point that we think, talk, and act in ways that are contrary to his written and revealed word. See, it appears he's cautioning or warning this great church to watch their mindset. In other words, they're becoming, are they becoming Christ-minded or worldly-minded? And I propose this to OCC this morning. Are we Christ-minded or worldly-minded? Are we becoming more Christ-minded or becoming more worldly-minded? See, we got to ask ourselves this as a church, but most importantly, we must ask ourselves this as an individual. I don't need to look at my neighbor and wonder whether or not they're Christ-minded or worldly-minded. I need to ask myself, am I Christ-minded or worldly-minded? I, 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 I need to look in the mirror and examine myself. Am I Christ-minded or worldly-minded? I, I don't need to look at the group, my auxiliary, before I first look, oh, look at myself. Am I Christ-minded or worldly-minded? I don't need to look at my spouse or my loved one and wonder whether or not they're Christ-minded or worldly-minded. I need to examine myself. Am I Christ-minded or worldly-minded? And and the next question I need to ask is this. Am I becoming more Christ-minded or am I becoming more worldly-minded? I need to examine myself. I don't need to look at the people I work with. I don't need to look at my... Uh, spouse. I don't need to look at my children. First person I need to look at. The first person I need to examine. The first person I need to wonder and have an honest conversation about. Am I becoming more Christ-minded or worldly-minded? You know, when Paul was bring, uh, bringing this letter to this church, I thought about it from he asked this from a corporate level. But then again, you got to break it down to individuals. Because we can look at everybody else and say, hey, they worldly-minded, they Christ-minded, they worldly-minded, they Christ-minded, but we never look at ourselves. Am I Christ-minded? Am I worldly-minded? Listen, not just at, on Sunday mornings, but what about when I go to work? Am I Christ-minded or am I worldly-minded? When I leave here and I go out to eat or if I go home or if I do whatever, am I Christ-minded or am I worldly-minded? Listen, it's not a matter of saying, well, Pastor, all these worldly people around me, these worldly people could be influencing me to become more worldly-minded if I'm not careful because I'm allowing them to influence me more than I'm influencing them. So you can be in the church for years, hear God's word, agree with it, but fail to apply his word in your everyday life. Yet allow family, friends, co-workers, social media influences to have more of an influence in your life than God's word. 
That's why Paul sent them a warning. He sent the church in Rome a warning. He sent, he's sending a church here at OCC in a warning. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Two words we're going to be looking at here that, that really stood out to me. Conforming and transforming. Conforming and transforming. See, Paul says, do not be conformed or fashion yourself to the character and the pattern of the world. Understand that the pattern of the world is in contrast to the will of God. You know, one thing I've been studying and it's been popping up in my mind. If the enemy can get you to start thinking more like the world, then the will of God cannot be done. And you know what the bigger picture is to me? Is his will being done. Listen, if your will get done, fine and dandy. But what if God's will don't get done? See, we need God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In that part of the prayer, not my will, but your will be done. Our Father which art in heaven, how will be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in what? Heaven. In that part of the prayer, he, t- he prayed and he asked us to pray on a daily basis. He says, I need you to pray for my will to be done. So if I start thinking more like the world, then his will's not being done. Are y'all seeing this? That's why this is so important that we as a church become more Christ-minded. So in turn, his will will be done. Because the most important thing to happen on this earth is God's will being done here on this earth. And that means that I need to love you and let his will be done here on this earth. I need to give, let his will be done here on this earth. Lord, I need to worship, let his will be done here on this earth. I need to tell others about Jesus, let his will be done here on this earth. If I'm carnal minded, his will doesn't get done. But if I'm Christ-minded, his will gets done. Oh, y'all got to see this. And again, we're going to talk more about this as we go further. But again, this goes back to conforming or transforming. And see, some of us, when I don't allow transformation to take place, I'll open the door for confirmation. What's confirmation? The adaption or complying with the rules and standard of those around us. Not godly, but ungodly. See, some of us before we got saved had spent more time conforming rather than transforming. Conforming to friends, conforming to trends, conforming to the approval of man, those we seek to impress, conforming to fleshly desires, cravings, and and seeking to possess things that God didn't want us to have. You can almost infer in the text that either one or the other is taking place. Either you're in conforming or you're transforming. That's why I thank God today is a new day. 2023 is a new year. It's a time for us to change that brings about transformation. That's why Paul is letting this great church know as well as us here at OCC know. I need to avoid or shun or stay away from conforming to the world and embrace and welcome and accept transformation by the renewing of my mind. And see, I can expect a certain outcome 
after transformation by the renewing of my mind. Renew it by what? The word of God. Not my opinion, not what I think, but what God says in his word. In other words, renewing my mind is going to bring a renovation that is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I thank God he renovated my mind. Woo, hallelujah. You know, one thing I can say before I go further is that, is this right here. God has started renovating my mind since I got saved. And after over 30 some years, he's still renovating. Y'all missed that, didn't you? I know, I know some of y'all already got it together. You ain't got to worry about your mind. But you know what? God is saying, ooh, I got another project up in here right here. Let me go back over here because he, he got back in fear again. Oh, Lord, he got back in the anger again. Oh, Lord, he got back in the unforgiveness again. Oh, Lord, he got back in the jealousy again. Oh, Lord, he got back into this again. I got to start renovating some more stuff. God is constantly renovating my mind. And you know what? I know he renovated your mind, too, because I, I probably don't say it two or three things here today. You say, okay, God, you have to renovate my mind some more because I ain't quite made it yet. Mm, how many agree you ain't quite made it yet? How many can say it's, it, we, we're on about day eight in 2023? And how many know you still need renovating in your mind? This day eight. This ain't even day 85. This is day number eight. But in the eight, the number of new beginnings, Glory! New beginning. I got my mind together, boy. How many about to get somebody before before day eight? I mean, you know, be real. They wanted two of y'all to happen to get them, but God knows I need renovating in the mind. Oh, that's why He He loves us enough as a church, just like He did for the Church of Rome. He's doing it for us here at OCC. He says, "I'm renovating our minds." Thank you for renovating, God. You know we need it here at OCC. I'm going to tell you right now, as the pastor, we need renovation of the mind. I was thinking about this morning. We need renovation of the mind right here at OCC. Well, Pastor, you know we already got together. No, we don't. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. We need renovation. But I thank God he loved us enough to renovate us. I mean, he loved us enough, y'all. You know, if God didn't love us, he'd say, just go on the way you are. You jacked up. You ain't gonna, you're not going to get the victory. My will's not going to be done. You, you're going to be a mess. Your marriage going to be a mess. Your single life going to be a mess. Your workplace going to be a mess. Your business going to be a mess. I'm going to leave you just like you are. But God loves us enough to say, hey, I'm going to change your mind so you can get the victory in your relationships in your job, in your business, in your finances, in your mind. I mean, just think about this. In day eight, God said, you know what? I've been helping my people. Oh, thank you. I didn't give up two amens right there. But that's a good place to say amen right there. God said, I'm going to help my people. There you go. Amen. Amen. Again, let's go a little further. Romans 12 and 2. That you may prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, that you may prove, I like this definition, you're going to see what's real or not. You're going to see what's real or not. You're going to see what is worthy, what's approved or not. What is that good, what is useful, agreeable, and beneficial, and acceptable, what is well-pleasing to God. Perfect, finished, brought to his end, wanting nothing, Uh, needing nothing necessary to complete. 
And what we're trying to complete? God's will. What God wants done here on the earth. What God's purpose is for our lives. What his choices are. What his desire is. What God wants done here on the earth. And 2023 is a new year, new phase, new stage in our lives. And many of us have been talking change for many years. We made some minor changes, but this year we're going to make some major changes. And we're gonna, and if we're going to be Christ, a Christ-minded church that God is calling for in this season, transformation is going to be needed. It's going to be necessary. And our transformation will result in proof for us to see and others to see. See, God's transformation comes with proof. And the outcome will be evident in us and around us. And transformation starts in here, and then it works its way out. It starts in our mind. It starts when we're thinking. We make decisions. I'm going to use God's word to transform my life. And we're going to look at three areas of proof that God's word is transforming us and it's taking place in our lives. Again, let's read Romans chapter 12 or follow me as I read Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 as we look at the three areas of proof of God's transformation power in us. If we're going to be a Christ-minded church in our thinking, understanding, our opinions, whether it's a good time and even if it's a challenging time, we're going to be a Christ-minded church. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the first one is good. Good. Good is defined as what's useful, what is agreeable, what is beneficial. Look at our scripture reference, Romans 8 and 28. Romans 8 and 28. And the Bible reads as follows. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And we know that all things are working together. They're laboring together. Good, challenging. They're all working together. They're laboring together. Together, they're putting full power together for our good. What's useful, what's beneficial, and what's going to cause us to be happy when it's all said and done. In fact, some of us choose to be happy even before while we're dealing with the situation we're dealing in. We choose to be happy. It's a choice we make to be happy. Man is not determined on whether or not we're happy or not. Boy, five people should have said amen right there. Your circumstance is not dependent upon your happiness. Your belief in God's word is what causes you to be happy. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He changes not. He's going to work things out for our good. Thank you, God, for working it out for our good. Because we love God. Very simple. You love God. You love God. It's working for your good. How many love God? Now, you love God, it's working for your good. Well, Pastor Dobbs, you don't know what I'm going through. It's working for your good. Listen, I, I, Pastor Dobbs, it's pain in my body. It's working for your good. I know you don't like it, but it's working for your good. Everything you go through, you ain't going to like it. Let's be real. But one thing about it, y'all know it works for your good. You're a faith walker. You walk by faith, not by sight. Sight. It works for your good. 
You may not, you may not know every details of the situation, but you know it's working for your good. You don't know how God's going to do it. God's too powerful. He knows too much. You trust him in the process. I heard that say it earlier. I said, man, that's powerful right there. Right along with my message. It's you should trust God and the process is working for your good. It's working for your good. And transformation has a way of changing how we think, talk, and see the world around us. No longer my mindset, but becoming more Christ-minded. See, we used to operate in fear, but now we operate by faith and walk by faith and not by sight. See, fear try to grip you and tell you it's not going to work for your good. But you can pull on your faith as a faith walker, hallelujah, and continue to walk by faith and not by sight and say, fear, you got to go. You never, you never told fear you got to go. In fact, let's do it real quickly and say, fear, you got to go. That's it. In Jesus' name. When we used to be overwhelmed, now we're overcomers. We used to be pessimistic, but now we're become optimistic. We know all things are working together for our good. The second point is this, acceptable. Acceptable, which means well-pleasing. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Therefore, we make it our aim, or we strive, or we earnestly labor, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing or acceptable to him. See, I may not know how to do everything right and may have upset a few people along the way, but because I've tried to obey God and his written and revealed word in every area of my life, I'm well-pleasing to him. David is a wonderful example. David wasn't the most popular brother that walked on the earth, but you know what? He was well-pleasing to God. David, y'all know David in the Bible? David used to fight folks. David used to, listen, David would mess around and, well, I ain't going to say everything David did, but David was, you know, David had some issues. But you know what thing God said about David? David was a man after God's own heart. Oh, you got to hear that. David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't the most popular. He didn't do everything right. But one thing about David, David was a man after God's own heart. He was well-pleasing to God, well-pleasing to God. And we follow David's pathway and start doing the best we can to follow Jesus, to be a faith walker, to walk by faith and not by sight, to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You'll be well-pleasing to God, well-pleasing to God. And our daily goal is to be well-pleasing to Jesus. Christ-minded thinking versus my old way of thinking. I'm studying scripture. I'm praying. I'm doing what God has instructed me to do. And when I miss it, I'm quick to repent. When I get it wrong, I'm quick to repent. That's one thing about David. David will, quick, will repent as soon as he was my, knew he had to repent. He repented. David, and when he repented, I mean, he got that thing right too, y'all. He got that thing right. He was, in my opinion, a Christ-minded follower. The third point I want to bring to you is this. He is perfect. Perfect is finished, mature, only nothing necessary to complete. 1 Corinthians 14 and 20. Brother, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, 
be based, but in understanding, be mature. Brother, do not be children in understanding. You know, we're going to be grown up in our minds and in our judgment. However, in malice, in wickedness, twisted thinking, and messiness, be babes. You know, there's some grown folks in malice in the days, don't you? Did y'all see what the scripture said? Y'all, 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 you got to get that. Sometimes people are wicked, twisted, and thinking. He says, be babes, but yet they choose to be grown in. You got to be a babe in that stuff. You got to be a babe. And the last part of that scripture is this, but in understanding, be mature. But in understanding, be mature. Finally, I'm becoming more mature. I'm not a messy Christian with mood swings and attitudes. I'm not, I'm not being passive aggressive and envious of my sisters and brothers in Christ and other believers. I'm not, a, I'm not childlike in my thinking, talking, and actions. I have not made it yet, and God's still working on me. But my maturity is growing in how I interact with others. My maturity in my relationships is growing. My maturity in my finances is growing. My maturity in my leadership is growing, especially in my house and in the house of God. Because the Bible says if I don't rule my house well, I'm worse than the infidel. How can I rule the house of God, especially the house of God? We mature in our leadership. Why, why is that? Because we understand and we're growing and we're maturing in his word. We're becoming more Christ-minded. And that change agent, that someone or something who promotes and enables to change will get us to keep our mind in the path of being a Christ-minded church is the written and revealed word of God. That's the change agent that can cause us to be Christ-minded. Cause us to think like Jesus, cause us to act like Jesus, cause us to have character like Jesus, cause us to have more character like Jesus, cause us to behave like Jesus, cause us to think, talk, and act more like Jesus. And see, my godly transformation will come, will come from studying, meditating, listening, observing, and so forth the Word of God. Studying about the life of Jesus, meditating, sharing scriptures, listening to anointed men and women of God, especially your pastor, observing and imitating those who are bona fide faith walkers living out the word of God. See, all that change that happens on the inside of us, people are going to start to see it on the outside of us. You notice what we talked about earlier. That person who decided they're going to change their style. They're going to change their look. They're going to change, for example, maybe their color scheme. But all that started with the thoughts on the inside. And for a believer, when you start to change, and you start changing on the inside, people are going to start to see that good and acceptable and perfect will of God on the outside. They're going to see you thinking like Jesus. They're going to see you talking like Jesus. They're going to see you acting like Jesus. This, in my opinion, is change that brings about transformation. And who are you going to start looking like? Jesus. You're going to start looking like, listen, people are not going to recognize you. They're going to say, hey, this is not the same person. 
They look like the same person, but they sure don't act like the same person. When you go to the family reunion, when you go to the, uh, back to work, and you start doing your different activities during the week, people going to look at you. That's not the same person that left the house today. That's not the same person. They're starting to change. That change that's going on on the inside of them, people are starting to see it on the outside of you. They start to see it. You're not even, your language starts to be different. You start talking like a faith walker now. You start quoting scriptures now. Instead of you getting mad, upset, and giving them peace of your mind, you start, your, your voice starts exhibiting love. You know how some people, they talk, they talk like with peace, peace has come out of their mouth. They sound so peaceful when they talk. Boy, you changing right there. You changing. Because, you know, you, people used to hear you talk. But now you start talking. You go to work now, and you're so calm now because you got peace that passes all understanding. What am I getting to? Showing you that that transformation that's happening in you right now is starting to work in its way out of you. It's starting to work its way out of you. This, is, to me, is an example of a transformation, a transformation that is making a difference in your life. And now, the people around you are going to see the proof that you've been changed. Just sing a song coming up. I know I've been changed. I know I've been changed. And it wasn't me who changed me, but God who changed me. And we give him the glory. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.